Well, hey everyone, this is Athena and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to learn and share stories about how God works all things together, writing a story of good because He is faithful and good. Every Wednesday, I'll be chatting with a friend who I know and respect, one of our Redemption Press authors, who will not only share a personal Romans 8.28 story, but also help to give you tips and tools for your life journey. Two episodes a month, we'll have an additional interview with a well-known author, and the other two episodes will include a time for Insider Insights, where I'll answer publishing questions from our listeners. So hey, Let's get started. Well, welcome to the All Things Podcast. I am here today with one of my all-time favorite people, Tammy Whitehurst, during the first half of the broadcast. And then during the second half of the show, I'm going to introduce you to Lauren Reeves, who just happens to be Tammy's co-host for their podcast, Joy for the Journey, as well as a Redemption Press author of Forgotten Faith, Awakening a Hope We No Longer Know. So before I give Tammy a proper introduction, Tammy, welcome to the All Things Podcast. Athena, it is wonderful to be here. I, I, I am grinning right now because I look so forward just to visiting with you. Amen. You are just, I'll tell you, the first time I met you, I just knew we were going to be good friends because you're just, I love your energy and I love your love for the Lord. Well, thank you. And I, and I, that feeling is mutual. I remember when I met you the first time and I thought, I like this woman. You know, sometimes we meet people and we instantly know that God has put them in our path for a reason. Amen. And I think that is true both ways, sister. All right. All right. So as a full-time motivational speaker, author, and blogger, Tammy Whitehurst encourages audiences to live life kicked up a notch. Her audiences get a whopping dose of giggles, grins, and belly-rolling laughter. Tammy has written articles for Lifeway Magazine's Woman's World Mature Living, Christianity Today, and has been featured on Moody Christian Broadcasting. She is also a contributor to the debut She Writes for Him, Stories of Resilient Faith, which is a publication that we uh, just sent to the printer, and it will be out in May of this year. She is also the co-owner of the Christian Communicators Conference, a training conference for speakers and is passionate about helping women reach their potential with Jesus at the wheel. Uh, in fact, the conference is coming up next month in March in North Carolina, and there may still be a few slots left. So we'll, we're going to talk about that a little bit later in our time together. You can find her at 5.30 every morning writing a daily devotional on her Facebook ministry page, to give women hope through the hard times and peace in the not-so-peaceful things they go through. Whether speaking to a large crowd, small crowd, or anything in between, she is a sassy Southern gal whose charm and contagious joy captures the hearts of her audiences. 
you will find yourself laughing one minute and launching into the spiritual deep water of truth the next. She is Texas-raised, Jesus-saved, and loves all things cheetah. However, to those who know her best, she is simply David's wife, or Davis's wife, a proud mom, a former middle school teacher, and a woman who loves Jesus. She struggles just like the rest of us with dust, dishes, cellulite, junk drawers, and wrinkles. I love your sense of humor, girl. Now, before we get started, I'm just going to give our listeners a little bit of background, <laughs> not background, but just like little known stuff that I, I asked Tammy to share a few things with me. How's this? And, and I, this does not surprise me. She has always wanted to be an FBI agent. She actually has <laughs> a criminal justice degree. She has ziplined in Jamaica and recently did a Chinese fire drill with friends. She has hid in a, the trunk of a car to get into a drive-in theater. Ooh, girl, I, I need to hear that story. She loves theater, riding in convertibles, and that <laughs> is her favorite color. And she still thinks her husband is hot, and she tells him so on a daily basis. Hey, I'm with you. I think the same about mine, and I remind him every day. And her favorite foods are medium-rare steak, <laughs> fried catfish, coffee with vanilla cream, and buttermilk pie. I'm telling you what, we need to just go away for about a month and have fun together. That's what I'm saying. So, girl... Girl, I'm, that's straight up Southern stuff right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Listening to you say that, you know, listening to you say that, I thought, oh my goodness, I really am Southern through and through. Wow. No kidding. No kidding. And I'll, you know, it is um, just, I, I just can't wait to have our listeners hear from you just what is your Romans 8:28 story? We're all about God working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes, which I know you are and I know you do. I know you love him and I know you're called according to his purposes. So I would love for our listeners to just hear your Romans 8:28 story before I have some other questions for you, but we're going to start here. I firmly believe Romans 8, 28, how everything works together. And I will tell you that to go along with that, I love Acts 20, 24 that says, for my life is nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ, the work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. And that really is, whenever we think about how everything works together, I was a middle school teacher for a long time. I had no idea that God was going, that that was my first audience. I had no idea. But, you know, whenever you look back and you can actually see how God has had his hand on the, on the trail that you have been trotting through and plodding through when it comes to going down this journey we call life, it really is amazing where, where he, where sometimes we think that he has forgotten us he has never forgotten us. He's never take his eye, taken his eyes off us. Whenever I began teaching middle school, I never thought fast forward that I would be speaking to women 
about how triumph can come from tragedy. And we have all had so much chaos in our lives from time to time that what we need to find more than anything is a calm in the middle of that chaos. And what that truly means is that we have to slow down and we have to pause and we have to ask God to show us where we're going and what we're doing. And sometimes we don't find that answer quickly. So when I think about the days that I had inside a classroom teaching 12 year olds, Texas history, English and reading, I was really, and I loved it. Oh, I really, really loved being a teacher and I'm still a teacher. Just, it's just that my audience changed. But what God showed me in that classroom, in a level that nobody ever wants to teach, nobody wants to teach middle school hardly, I loved it there. And what God showed me was if you can make them laugh, they will listen to anything that you have to say. And mm. they will learn, they will learn from what, from your stories, from experiences, and they will actually learn Texas history. Something that most students think is the most boring thing in the world. And I think whenever, if, when we take that into the Christian world, you know, the world nowadays does not think that Christianity and Jesus and joy is an exciting thing. They, for some people, they think that's the most boring thing in the world and it's far from it. So whenever I look back and I see where God started with me and through all of the things that have happened to where I have ended up where I am now, I realize that he can do anything with me if I'm willing to say yes. Mm -hmm. And I have definitely gone through some times where I feel like that he had to drag me. You know, there's, a, there's that poem, Footprints in the Sand. Well, I think for, there were probably some years in my life where it would have been more like booty prints in the sand because he was dragging me. <laughs> you know, he was dragging me every single um, step of the way. And I, I know that when people who knew me 25 years ago, when they see what I'm doing now, they cannot believe that I became a Christian women's motivational speaker. Yet when I look back, I can see how God's hand guided me in this direction. Yes, I did. I do have a criminal justice degree before I became a teacher and then went to seminary for women's ministry. But all of that, you know, that's where I wanted to do things my way. And there has, there has never been anything undercover or FBI about me. If your favorite color is cheetah, you're probably not undercover anywhere. That, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't call that plain clothes now. No, no, no. Incognito, never. <laughs> but that, that's where oftentimes in our lives, we will go out and we will forge down these roads that we were never meant to take but God can take what we've, the mistakes, the messes, all of the things that we've made on those roads that we forged in ourselves, and he can bring out something that is a miracle from that. I, you know, I never learned any, I never learned any lessons the easy way. I always seem to have to learn my lessons the hard way. And that usually means the way whenever I thought I needed to do it myself when I stepped out on what I call one-footed faith, 
because I kept the other foot firmly planted just in case Jesus didn't come through. And the whole time God was wanting to say, you know what, if you'll just step in with two-footed faith and just follow me, you'd be surprised how much easier things can be. Mm. But whenever we're in the middle, I always call this part the middle. And the middle is because we never know. You know, Athena, we never know when the end's going to come. We see people die early. People live to be over 100. Every single one of us, everyone who can hear this, every single person who's living and breathing at this moment, we're in the middle somewhere. And God is wanting to use that middle part of our life to do something really awesome. And he's wanting to take every tough thing, every rough thing, every bad decision, every wrong choice, and he's wanting to turn it into something good. I often say I had so many messes in my life and I, and that's why I needed a messiah <laughs> to come in there and to help me along the way and to grab my hand and pull me, you know, as a person who speaks all the time, if you're a speaker, you probably um, have been accused of talking too much. You were probably shushed in the library. You were probably told, oh, Tammy, blah, 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 you know, because you have always talked. You just at some point figured out that God was going to use that and go a certain direction with it. But, I don't, but I'll tell you, there's been a lot of times in my life when I didn't go the right direction with the talking and, and words got me in trouble. I have had hard relationships with loved ones where really I just wanted to throw my hand up and be done and I was screaming for some calm in the middle of all that chaos. And, and what I've learned from people that I love dearly who we just are not seeing eye to eye is that sometimes you have to love them from a distance until you can love them up close. Mm. Say that again. That's, that's profound, I think. Oh, sometimes we have to love those people who, um, who break our heart. Sometimes we have to love those people from a distance until we can love them up close. And oftentimes they don't want us up close. And so we have to wait. And that is one of the hardest things at times is, is waiting. But what I have found with, through the Lord, what I have found in trusting the Lord is that every hard thing is not always going to be hard. And every confusing situation is not always going to be confusing. But most of all, every broken heart doesn't always stay broken mm. because God tells us that he is close to the brokenhearted. And so we know that wherever we are, that he is certainly near. But through the ups and downs of life that I've had, I can honestly say at my age now that I can look back and I can see where God has taken every turn and he's taken every mess and every mistake and he has made um, some beautiful things out of it. He's taught me so much. As a teacher, I think that I teach other people, but you know, so many people teach me and God has used people to teach me. And my, the lessons that I have been taught through the mistakes that I've made have made me realize that when we make a mistake, it's not the end. It just might be the beginning of something that God is wanting to show us. Mm. It just might be the beginning of something that 
yes, we made a decision to do something. Now let's trust him enough to believe that he can take that and he can make something uh, just, I won't say beautiful, but he can teach us and he can give us wisdom from very, very tough situations. Well, and he can, because he teaches us and comforts us through that struggle, he enables us to then have some life to give someone else who doesn't have any hope. That's exactly right. And you know, one of the things, Athena, that we've really got to work hard, me included, is, is that we show people that it might not be well with our circumstances, but it can be well with our soul. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I've heard the saying all my life, what doesn't kill you will make you stronger. Well, if, and I know most women will tell you once you've reached a certain age that what doesn't kill you will make you wish you were dead. But, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> that's just not the way it works. And so, I think through the the tough trials and the hard times, God is wooing us to come closer and come closer and let him, let him undo what sometimes we have done. Mm. And, and let him work his redemption in the midst of even our bad choices, even our straying, even our going absolutely rebellious. Yes. You know, he can take what the enemy Meant for evil, use it for good. That's exactly right. And you know, the enemy, he's a lot like a buzzard. He picks people apart one painful piece at a time until, I mean, until he tries his hardest to absolutely devour us. And when the scripture tells us that he runs around like a lion looking for someone to devour, we have to decide every single day that we're not going to feed him. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so... We're going to transition here, and I want, we've got about 10 minutes left, so I want our listeners to hear, how how did it even happen? How did you get started in speaking? Well, like I was saying earlier, you know, it's crazy, but my speaking started as a junior high teacher. Okay, so how did you get started in professional speaking? Well, I guess that was (laughs) Okay, the way way that I trans went into professional speaking was God had laid it on my heart a long time ago to do a women's conference. And I got a group of women together. And in, in 2008, we threw a women's conference. And I look back now and I think, oh my goodness. But you know, when you are bound and determined and you are, sometimes the less you know, the better you will do. You know? <laughs> right. We, we had, because we had never been told no yet on things. And so all of us got together and we began to put together this conference and we had sponsors who, who sponsored it. And it was just a beautiful thing. And what happened with it, it was going to be a packed house. And then the hurricane came through uh-huh. whenever the hurricane in new Orleans, mm-hmm. it was so bad. Well, I'm in, I'm in East Texas. And so the church that I was supposed to have, that I had rented this area to, to have this big women's conference with these other women. It ended up being a Red Cross evacuation center for all of the people from the hurricane. And that was the same weekend that this women's conference was supposed to be. Oh my goodness. 
So what I thought, now I never felt like the Lord was saying, shut down the women's conference, cancel it, it's over, all that hard work for nothing. No, I never felt like he was saying that. And so I continued to move forward. And what ended up happening, you know, if you work hard and you just be nice to people, it's amazing what happens. <laughs> and, and what happened was I thought there was going to be an audience of women who who came and paid a fee to, to hear and had a great lunch and musicians and all of this, the main speaker canceled uh, because she couldn't get there in the weather. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the musicians, it, some of them could get there, some of them couldn't. But the audience, God knew who the audience was going to be. The audience ended up being the evacuees wow. from the hurricane. And we had worked for this big women's conference, we just didn't know who the audience was going to be, but God did. Yeah, and so did. since, yes. And since the main keynote speaker who I had hired to come in could not make it, well, I had to step up to the podium and be the main keynote speaker. And I had planned on just being a breakout speaker. Baptism but, by fire. Woo, girl! I tell you what, and, but you know what, when we say yes, Lord, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No matter how shaky need we may be, when we say yes, Lord, and we get out there and, and we just trust that he's going to do what he wants to do with us. I, from that moment on, I have had people calling me and booking me to come speak. And, and I went full time about six, between six and seven years ago, I've, I've been doing this full time ever since then. Before then I was doing it part time, but it has been, it's been a wild ride that I wouldn't exchange for anything. I have met so many people, including you, and I've crossed so many different paths that I never thought that I would ever walk. And I've seen Jesus hand in so many things. But what I think that we have to do is, to me, we have to wake up every single day and we have to say to ourselves, what can I do to improve? Mm. And procrastination is never part of it. Yeah. You know, I, I always say every woman has a pity party of some kind, but we can't RSVP and stay there too long because we, because what happens with that is we waste time. Yeah. We don't know how much time we've got. That's right. So, and, and what I love about you is I watch you empower other women to share their stories, to move in the direction that God brought you when they feel called to that you are not only doing that work that God's called you to, to be a full-time speaker, but you're helping others do the same thing. And I love that, that you're empowering them to, so you're, it's been said that you're a collaborator, not a competitor. So tell us just a little bit more what that means. You know, I often, I do, I say, it's all about collaboration, not competition, because Whenever you're a speaker, it's very easy to get into this competition mode where you think anybody who does what you do, you're competing with. And that's just not true. Because if you look at that differently and you collaborate with those people, oh my goodness, the doors that can be opened, the opportunities that will be given to you, if you will just collaborate with people instead of competing with people. Because when we compete with people, we begin to fall into this trap I call the comparison trap. And we compare their gifts to our gifts. 
And then we think, well, they're better at this than I am. And why didn't God let me have this gift? And, and, and then what we begin to do is we begin to not be the person that God created us to be, but instead we try to be that person that we're comparing mm. ourselves to. And that is a trap. So I have found that whenever we collaborate with each other and we celebrate each other and we realize that the differences that we have as speakers, as writers, as bloggers, all of that is what brings us truly together. I love to launch speakers and I love to teach speakers. I love to do all of those kinds of things while we're in the middle. Mm. That's just the way I look at, it. you know, I want, I want for, my life to have significance. I, I've been with several people whenever they die. And one of the things that they always want is to know that their life had significance. And so it's real easy for us to just get complacent for us just to stop and just basically bury our head in the sand. But when we bury our head in the sand, the only thing showing is our tail. And that is just not a good look. <laughs> not so, a good word picture. <laughs> no, no. So we've got to make the most of every moment we have while we're here. And I try to get that across to, to speakers when I teach them. And I, that's just, I love what I do. I'm a teacher mm -hmm. at heart and a speaker and I love what I do. Amen. Okay. So in, we're just, I, I need for maybe a minute, I need you to share a couple of tips or tools that will help our listeners sharpen their perspective perspective of how God is continually working all things together for good in their lives? Well, you have to step back and you have to pause and you have to remember that life's going to take you to all kinds of unexpected places. Love is what's going to hit the bullseye. Love's what's going to bring you home and love, love never fails. So cemeteries, I, I will tell people, cemeteries are filled with stories that were never told, books that were never written. Stories are filled with speakers who never spoke, songs that were never sung, ministries that were never started, dreams that were never attempted. They weren't even accomplished because they were never attempted because fear got in the way. We can't die with buried treasure. Mm. Whatever the dream is, that God has put in your heart. It does not have an expiration date as long as you're living and breathing. So get out there and figure out how to do what God has called you to do. And that Romans eight twenty eight, oh, it does definitely come together. But I would love to, um, I love to help people. They are welcome to get a hold of me and and I would love to talk to them and just just pray with them. I, that is just such an honor. Amen. So it's never it, too late. You know, it's it, never too late for a new beginning. Athena, uh, you and I both know that. It's never boy, too late. Do we ever? That's right. So, That's so right. if someone wanted to be a last minute sign up for the Christian Communicators event that's happening right in a, a few weeks, March 17th to the 21st at the Ridgecrest Conference Center, what would they do? Where would they go? If they go to christiancommunicators.com okay. or they can come through, they can email me at tammywhitehurst at gmail.com and I would be glad to tell them all about it. But Christian Communicators Conference, it's in Ridgecrest 
March 17th through the 21st. But we keep our numbers small because that's the way that networking gets big. Whenever we get to know each other well, then we will um, we will launch each other because we know each other inside and out. So we have a we would not turn down a few more, but we are we are we close never to say, maxed, right? Yeah, we're close to max, but we would love to have a couple of more. Awesome, and I'm going to be there too. So I would love to have any of you listening that feel a call to speak and want some real hands-on training, which is what you would get because this is a small, very intimate conference where you've got lots and lots and lots of support. Um, I would say pray and then act because this is an awesome opportunity, very last minute opportunity. So, yeah. so if people want to find more about you and your speaking, where would they find you online? They go to TammyWhitehurst.com. Awesome. Well, girl, thank you so much for being with us today. It has been just a thrill to have you on the show and to just get some of that energy going on the All oh. Things Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was a joy, my friend. Have you been thinking about writing your next book? If there was space in your calendar to connect with other writers just like you, would you be ready to take the time to work on your next project? We're excited to announce a new opportunity, the She Writes for Him Retreat, an intensive writing retreat for both new writers who want to know how to start the process and for more advanced writers who want to gain some new skills and work on their next project. This three-night, three-day intensive includes six teaching sessions with industry professionals, one-on-one -on -one coaching, group sessions to strengthen your writing voice, dedicated reflective time to practice your writing, a chance to forge new friendships with other writers, and much more. Join us for this debut event, April 29th to May 2nd, right here in the Seattle area at the most amazing, creative, artistic, and charming venue you could imagine. Visit SheWritesForHim.com for all the details. Well, we are going to kick off the second half of the show today with Tammy's partner in crime, Redemption Press author of Forgotten Faith, Lauren Reeves. So welcome to All Things Podcast today. I am so excited to have you on, Lauren. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I'm excited too. You bet. So let me just start with a proper introduction so everyone knows a little bit about you. Uh, Lauren loves to encourage the heart of a person into a deeper walk with Christ. She believes the mind informs the heart, so offering resources that are engaging, truth-filled, and fascinating is necessary. Bible literacy ranks as one of the biggest ways she wants to influence the body of Christ, and she has an extraordinary gift for explaining intimidating theological ideas in an easy to understand way that keeps a reader wanting more. So just as a little um, kind of inside scoop on Lauren, she is an introvert who often comes across as an extrovert. She loves museums, poetry, art, songwriting, being around animals and laughing hard with friends and family. Her husband is probably her biggest fan and that's important to her because he is 
always the one who believes in God's call on her when she forgets to believe in herself. In May, after two remaining classes, Lauren will graduate from seminary with an MA in Christian apologetics. And she is also the co-host of Joy for the Journey, which is a podcast with our mutual friend, Tammy Whitehurst, who you heard earlier on the, on the show today. So Lauren and her family live on a ranch in Texas, which I have to say I'm jealous of because I never wanted to come back to Washington. I wanted to stay in Texas forever. So I love that you get to live there and on a ranch. That just sounds like heaven to me. <laughs> well, it is therapeutic, I will say. I'll bet. Well, Lauren, for starters, I would love to hear how God has worked all things together for good in your life. Oh, gosh, yes. Um, I think if any of us are Christian for very long at all, we probably have a thousand of these stories. Um, but I guess the first one that pops in my head is um, kind of my marriage story, um, because I'm 38 years old, and I didn't get married until I was about 31. And wow. so in a society like ours, if you're single, you get asked just about every week, are you dating anybody? When are you going to get married? <laughs> and yeah. so it's this pressure that, that gets placed on single people that's unintentional. It's totally unintentional. I know that. Um, but it's this unspoken pressure that gets placed on single people that makes us feel like that we aren't complete without a spouse. And so, um, or maybe, maybe I just took it that way, but I did for, for, for sure. I think um, that definitely is the message that comes across. Yeah. And so I was actually, though, pretty content being single at the time, but I just hated that thought of being seen as unwanted or incomplete by, you know, the people around me because I kept getting asked these questions. So if I had had it my way, I would have brought Justin and me together sooner. But now in hindsight, being able to look back now that I'm 38 and being look, able to look back on that time when I was 31 and he finally brought him to me. Um, I can see how that season of singleness let me learn how to struggle with God through some pretty dark times because that season allowed me to soak in his word with tears. It allowed me to pray honest and even ugly prayers. Um, I learned to write out my feelings in journals with God uh, because I had a lot of private time, you know, and um, I learned to just trust in his ways more than mine really in that season. And so it was a time of solitude and growing with God. And so in, in hindsight, I can see that I needed that season before he gave me Justin. Mm. And then, you know, once I found Justin, I didn't have to figure out how to live with a new person and how to struggle with God. God was already my foundation and I could run to him when life got tough. And um, there's this phrase that I love that says, it's by a guy named Doug Givett, and I heard it one time. He was in a debate with another um, person, and he said, while it may be easy to imagine what we would do if we had God's power, it is impossible to know what we would do if we had God's wisdom and knowledge. And that just, mm. that statement is just so true because it shows us that God truly has a perspective that's higher than ours, and he loves us more than we even love ourselves, so we can trust him to work all things for our good when we love him and put him first. Amen. And that's, it's just so good. You know, we whine. I know I did when I was single for 14 years and didn't date and just didn't know why God was taking so long to bring me my knight in shining armor and whine, 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 and, you know, trying to tell God what he, you know, what I knew better. And I had to get through all that and get the end of, to the end of myself to to realize that he had a purpose for that season. You know, and of course, when you're in the middle of it, never quite seems as clear 
what he's doing that's good until later. But yeah. it's so true that, you know, learning how to wrestle the hard things out with him before he brings you that person. And so that, often it's a, it's a blind trust, you know, and um, just realizing that trust doesn't always have to be something we can see or logic through. Sometimes it can be blind and that's okay. Yep. And that, I think that's the kind of trust that we need to have because he, he's not always going to show us the next step. He's not always going to show us what the result of our obedience is going to be. He wants us to keep being obedient without seeing what that's going to be. Exactly. Well, I love that. That's a great Romans 8.28 story. Um, I definitely, in my marriage, what was a total Romans 8.28 story for me too. And I love how he does that. And, you know, if we just will trust that he, even when we don't understand that he is working all things together for our good and he knows better than we do. That is for sure. <laughs> so, so Lauren, we're going to jump in with a few questions. I, I would love to know how, and you know, how did you know that you were called to write? Well, I guess for a long time, I didn't know for sure. And I guess, I guess I still don't know for sure, <laughs> but um, <laughs> for so long without even really realizing it, I was pursuing a calling by looking for something that I could get glory from. Mm. And so what I realized was if I put all my eggs in one basket, like calling myself a writer, then I would resist God when he tried to ask me for anything outside of writing. So, um, you know, if I, if I try to make a name for myself, then I'm always going to try to protect and cultivate the title rather than saying yes to God in whatever way he asked. So I found just through the process of struggling, the most important thing is to make sure that I spend enough time with God myself so I can be God led and have something God led to say rather than just mm. speaking to speak or writing to write. Um, because I think, you know, for so many and for myself included for a while, um, I think we want to speak and write because it sounds famous or glorious mm. but along the way. We forget to put in the time with God to search out what he actually wants because writing and teaching is a big responsibility to take on. It always reminds me of James three, one that says not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And that verse just kind of hangs out in the back of my mind at all times, just to remind me of the responsibility of a calling to teach, however it may look. And so I'm learning to, to be just as content if he asked me to teach a small group as I am if he asked me to teach the masses through books. And I'm starting to realize that like, as Christians, our calling is never just one thing. So I guess I knew I was called to write when I started to feel that leading in prayer, but I'm not hanging my hat there as my identity. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And you said something right at the beginning, um, you know, you have to spend, put in the time with him to actually have something worth saying. And that, you know, you go to enough writers conferences or you listen to enough people telling you what you have to do to build your platform, to have, to be able to write and, and make an impact. And, you know, it's like, you got to blog three times a week and you got to do this and you got to do that. And it's like, you know, I've seen so many people follow all the rules and not have anything significant to say because they were just checking the box instead of cultivating that relationship with the Lord that's going to overflow with something that's going to be significant and resonate with people. So 
right on. You know, and I think that as human beings, you know, we are intelligent creatures. And so I think that humans just in general can catch on to what's genuine and what's kind of just thrown out there at the last minute or fake. And so um, there's something about being genuine and that only really comes through spending time with God and letting him Mm. soak you with what he wants to be pushed out there. Absolutely. Right. I totally, I know (laughs) when I teach at writers conferences, that's, I'm always saying, don't just, you know, we don't care about your cat and your dog, you know, or we don't, we, we don't care that something just, just to check the box and put a post up on, on Facebook or on Instagram. I want to know who you are and how is God talking to you today? And how is he refining you? Cause that's, what's going to resonate is, Oh, maybe I'll feel like, okay, I can relate to this person. I'm not the only person that feels this way. Right. Right. That's so good. Okay, so do you have any advice for our listeners who would like to become a writer? I mean, you already kind of did this, but you may have more to say. They want to become a writer, but they really don't know how to start. Well, um, let me think. So I'm definitely still learning how to become a good writer, but I do have about three things that I've learned that I just keep in my back pocket at all times. And um, the first one of those is just practice expressing through writing often because the more you write, the better you get at it. It's like, it's truly mm-hmm. a lot of practice. Yeah. And so if you feel that desire to write, I would just encourage you to start cultivating that gift now. Um, I have written so many pieces of poetry and pages of books that will probably never be shared to the public. Um, writing is something that takes practice to be really good at. It. And so I'm still not there, but I know that every year that I take time to practice writing blogs, devotionals, poetry, journal entries to God, I just get better and better. And so if someone were to go, like I truly believe this, if somebody were to go through my, all my personal writings, I'm pretty convinced that they could lay them out pretty close to the order they were written in. Because making your thoughts get on paper like you feel them or think them, um, it can certainly be like a special gift, but even gifts have to be polished. And so the more creative writing you do now that's meaningful to you, the better you're gonna be quicker. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Uh, and then the second thing um, is just have a notes app on your phone that you can mm. open at any point, wherever you are, and jot down a thought. Because I'll often be like walking out in nature with the dogs, pondering on a verse, when I'll have this profound thought pop in my head. And for so long, I'd think, oh, I'm going to remember this later when I get home and sit down with my journal. But I would rarely actually remember that. Mm-hmm. And so I think profound thoughts and wisdom are a gift, and we're responsible for doing what it takes to harness those. And so for me, it means writing things down so I can ponder on it more and more throughout the week. And often that's going to happen on my phone because my phone's with me usually everywhere I go. Right. Um, And then the last one is just ask God to show you creative ways to use your writing. Um, It doesn't always have to be a book, although it can be. Um, I got saved and this is kind of like my personal story of why, like how I learned this lesson, but I got saved when I was a freshman in high school. And before I got saved, I didn't like to read and I didn't like to journal or write. But once hmm. I got saved, it was like this new desire just came upon me to learn God's word. And I was, I was almost obsessed with learning God's word and then to teach what I was learning through writing. And so it was like everything, it was like truly, I felt like a new creation turning over. And um, 
so I was raw in my writing skills and learning skills and all of that. But as I prayed, asking God for creative ways to use my writing, he started putting it on my heart to write lessons down and just share them in email with friends. And so like, keep in mind that this was around 1997-ish. Okay. So blogs weren't even a thing. Then. Right. <laughs> so the I was internet was hardly a thing. <laughs> right. And so I was basically blogging devotionals and emailing them to friends. And so um, the emails got shared and I had more and more people asking if they could be part of the devotional list. And so pretty soon my email list was over a hundred people and it started with maybe five, you know, in just no time. And so that was not something that I did on my own effort. The mm. only piece I did was I did what I knew I was supposed to do. And that was write and share it with people that I knew. And so it was God that opened that door wider than I could have ever done it myself. And um, so pray and be okay with sharing with just a few because God can grow that few into greater numbers if the message is for the greater numbers. Um, so that was just kind of a, no, no, that's, that's, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Yep. That's pretty much it. I was just saying, just be content with big or small numbers because numbers isn't the obedience. Um, exactly. Exactly. And you know, if something that you said changes one person's life, yes, that's pretty significant. And I think we're just, it's so easy to get caught up in the numbers and, you know, this person has this many followers and this other person has this many, you know, on their newsletter list and, you know, yeah. God, he's just looking for obedience and he'll do what he wants to do with it. And we have to be teachable and moldable and willing to just obey no matter what the result is. That's his thing. Yes, exactly. Mm, I love that. Our result, well, we probably don't, won't even know probably 90% of what we've been effective with in this life until the next life. You know what I mean? Yep. I feel like we don't, we, we, we really, I mean, maybe the numbers we weren't very effective with, even if we have a thousand million of them, but I don't know. Yeah, that's good. And really, in all of those those three points that you made, just the heart of being teachable and being willing to, um, you know, learn and be a constant learner. Because I know when I first started writing, I mean, I was a speaker. I wasn't a writer. I didn't know what I was doing. And I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I didn't find out until way past writing and actually publishing something that I had a lot to learn. And so that was humbling for me to actually have to go back and learn how to rewrite everything I'd written because I, you know, was missing so much that would have made the work so much more impactful. So just, just being, you know, being teachable and being um, willing to learn new things and, and, and improve your craft. That's just a, it's a big deal as we grow in the whole idea of communicating for the Lord. Yes, and with excellence. I love that because as you're speaking, I was thinking, she's totally teaching excellence. And I love that because excellence for the Lord, there's nothing better. Absolutely, because he's excellent. So we should do <laughs> no less than that. Yes. So, so Lauren, what is your favorite quote? Oh, goodness. Do I have to just have one? <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll let you give us two. Okay, so I'll narrow it down to two. Um, so I'll do a serious one and a funny one. Um, my first one comes from C.S. Lewis, and it says, There is no safe investment. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Hmm. 
And so that quote just reminds me that I cannot and should not live life protecting my heart because Jesus himself, like when we think back to Jesus' time on earth, he let himself feel every emotion to its depth. Even when Lazarus, Lazarus died, Jesus sat in the moment knowing that he was about to bring him back to life. He already knew he was about to bring him back to life. And yet Jesus sat in the moment and wept. It says Jesus wept in personal grief of losing Lazarus. Lazarus. And so he didn't jump over the hard emotion and jumped quickly to the, oh, it's going to be okay because I'm about to raise him. Jesus felt each emotion appropriately and deeply. And I love that because it's such a lesson because I tend to want to live my life with walls around my heart so I don't have to feel the tough emotions. And so I just think that's what C.S. Lewis is probably trying to get at in that mm. verse, and that, I mean, that quote, and it's one of my favorites because of that. And then the second quote is a funny one because it's true for me. And it says, in some days, it says, some days I amaze myself. Other days I put my keys in the fridge. And that one, for real, is a thing for me. I can be so smart and yet dot, dot, dot. Yep, I hear you. Oh, gosh. Well, and you know, when we can laugh at ourselves, then, you know, we're, we don't take ourselves so seriously. And that's probably a good thing. I love that. So, so who would you say inspired you the most in your life? Um, in my Christian life, I would have to say that I'm, most indebted to my granny. Um, she actually passed on to glory in January of 2019. So that was about a year ago. And um, I really wanted her to see that my book was dedicated to her. It was going to be a surprise, but I'm just hoping that God will somehow let her know for me. So the little dedication page on the first part of my book is actually for her. Mm. Um, so she was just one of those people that she wasn't very vocal about her beliefs, but her life and her actions were her witness. And I can just remember like um, she was always the one that was just encouraging me in my faith. And as a baby, her and, her, her and Papa gave me a baby Bible. And then when I got older, they gave me a study Bible. And you could always walk in her house and find the Bible open where she did her daily quiet time. And um, it was just a cool thing because she, even though she wasn't very like outwardly vocal about her faith, she had a deep, deep inward faith. And so she did things for people in secret, just not wanting glory. She would give to the poor and she didn't have much money for herself. Um, she was big on keeping peace in the family and making traditions and memories together. And so, um, you know, when she left this world, it left a huge hole because she was really a truly special person and she affected me greatly. Mm, wow. That makes me want to be a better grandma. That's for sure. <laughs> wow. So, Let's talk a little bit about your latest book, Forgotten Faith. Why don't you give us a little bit of insight on that and, and tell us the kind of resource we could avail ourselves to by getting a copy in our hands. Okay. Um, so Forgotten Faith is about the book of Genesis in the Bible. It's, um, it's not just a book about Genesis though. It does something unique and that's what I love about it. it. It highlights the many ties between Genesis and Revelation. So in my research, I came to realize that the first book of the Bible and the last book of the Bible are tightly knit together. They're like a perfect opening and closing by the very best author. And so they end up playing into one another, giving us a foundation and a certain hope. And I don't know if you've heard this, but I've, I had often heard that Genesis is the foundation for understanding the, the whole rest of the Bible. And I do believe that, but now I also believe that Revelation might be just as significant. And so I think that's probably the biggest reason I wrote Forgotten Faith, because um, I feel like it's a very necessary book for today. 
and um, it just ties some things together that aren't typically tied together in a study of Genesis. So can it be used at, as a, in a small group, let's say, um, as a kind of a Bible study, or is it pretty much just an independent, um, you know, personal read-through for one person? Um, I definitely think it could go both ways. I mean, it doesn't have like the discussion questions um, or anything like that, but I think, you know, kind of like a book club would do. They mm -hmm. get together and discuss the book they read. It, it could be more like that. Um, but it definitely does have enough meat in each chapter that could provoke further discussion with a group that could be a really rich discussion, I think. And just the, the, the whole bookends thing of Genesis and Revelation. I love that and the correlation. And I mean, I just, I find that fascinating. And I'm, um, it's actually on my stack of books to get read. So I'm excited <laughs> to do that as a Bible study myself, personally. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So as we wrap up our time together, I would love for you to share a few tools or tips that would help our listeners focus on the ways God is working all things together for good in their life. Okay. Um, so I guess the first one we've touched on a little bit, but I'll just go a little deeper into it. Um, the first one is just don't forget about prayer and your spiritual walk because we often as, um, as Christians, I think it's pretty typical um, to make prayer the side note to Bible study. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Instead, it should be the other way around. Um, and I definitely struggle with this too. So I'm not saying like I've got it together, but I, it's something that God has highlighted to me to show me. Um, because if I laid, like if I just laid out the options of prayer and Bible study before people and said, okay, which one of these two do you feel more com comfortable with? Most of us would hands down feel way more comfortable with Bible study than prayer. And yet Jesus said, my house should be called a house of prayer in Matthew 21, 13. He didn't say my house should be called a house of sermon or great Bible studies or a house of good works. Although all of those things are good and necessary, but he wanted prayer to be the thing that defined his people. And so, you know, when I was thinking through this, I started thinking about how our mind can remember things we read for long amounts of time. And so even though we need, we need our mind to constantly be renewed and refreshed, if we accidentally like just run out of time one day and we, we're only going to have time for one of the other prayer or Bible study, it's more important to spend the time in prayer because our mind can remember those truths for longer than a day, but our heart, it's, it can be so wayward so quickly. And we need that constant connection to the father mm. and prayer and meditation on the word and prayer to stay on track in this crazy world that can get us so sidetracked so easily. Um, so that is probably my first tip. And then the second and last one is, um, is this. Um, so if prayer is what changes us most and defines us as Christians, and we've just established this, we know that we need to do it more. And all of us, I feel like as Christians feel this at certain times and probably most of the time, but we try and try, this is how we try to get better at it. We try to just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and do it more and more. And yet every time we fail, it just seems hopeless. And so I would notice this in my life because there would be times when I would really commit to, okay, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to be more of a person in prayer. And then three months down the road, I'd look back and realize I hadn't done it any better than before. Mm. So um, Timothy Keller, though, I don't know if you're familiar with him. Mm -hmm. I love him. Mm -hmm. So one day I was listening to his podcast and he said something that really struck me. He said, if we try to pray more and can't, the problem isn't with our lack of determination. The problem is we have an idol. 
And so that statement really changed me. And so now when I start seeing myself pray less, I start searching my heart and saying, okay, God, what am I holding up as greater or more necessary in my life than connecting with you? Mm. And I'm able to confess those things. And all of a sudden my prayer life is thriving and more constant again. And so it's all about shifting things in the right order. And then prayer becomes natural. We start depending on the right one. And for me, it's so often about me shifting my dependence from being on myself to depending on God. I put God aside because I have like a to-do list to get done, like we all do. And so a lot of times I'm like, oh, I've got my to-do list is too long. I don't have time for a quiet time today. But it actually just shows that I'm trying to make my life work in my own power. Mm-hmm. Instead of put my to-do list aside and meet with God first, he would help me get the things done I absolutely need to get done. And then it's all in the right order. So those are probably the two biggest tips um, for us well, on the journey. And those are powerful because it's through that quiet time with him and connecting and staying attached to the vine and being, you know, we're the branch, he's the vine, we need to be connected. And having that time is where we're going to get to realize how he's working things together for good. Because it's so, it's hard for us to see it sometimes. And without that commitment to, I mean, really being in his presence and praying daily, it's going to take us longer to ever connect the dots. Right. I think. So that's, that's powerful. Well, gosh, this has been so good. It's been a delight to have you on the show today. And so if our listeners want to find you online or Tell us the best way to to find you. Okay. So um, if you want to connect with me directly, um, you can always check out my website at www.laurenreeves.com and find out more information about me. So there's tons of information on there and a connect page and a blog and everything else. And so um, through there, and then of course I can be found through the Redemption Press website and Amazon and a whole bunch of others. And now tell us how, um, when we can find your, the Joy for the Journey podcast. Is it joyforthejourney.com or joyforthejourneypodcast.com? Yes, it's www.joyforthejourneypodcast.com. And um, it's Tammy Whitehurst and my podcast. And um, I hope you like it if you check it out. Um, we're planning on doing some new episodes soon. So there should awesome. be some. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. It's just been a delight, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. So thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast, brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media, of course, only if you thought it was helpful, Or if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would really appreciate it as, you know, it'll help other people find the show and let them know it really is a good one to listen to. So thank you so much for listening today and I'll see you next week.